Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. America. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. This is your host, Mark Levine, reporting a safe social distance from Washington, D.C., with a really important question that uh, many liberals, independents, folks like me are asking right now. How can any self-respecting Republican still support Donald Trump? Well, I've got one today. I won't say he's in my studio because he's a safe social distance from me, but he's close by, and he's my longtime sparring partner. The president of Intelligent Strategies, Mike Lane, and I have been discussing conservative and liberal issues for more than 15 years now. Um, Intelligent Strategies is designed to give intelligence to the elephants. He is a Republican strategist. And I've got some tough questions for him today. Not the questions I normally ask him, you know, why are you a conservative? Why are you a Republican? I've learned to accept that. I've gotten over that. My question is, how can he still support Donald Trump? So first, let me welcome you to the show, Mike. Make sure all your sound is good. Mark, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me back. My pleasure. So let me lay out my case, and then I'll give you all the time in the world to respond. Um, we liberals, we Democrats, we have a hard time understanding folks like you. And let me just sort of lay it out. We can understand why racists support Donald Trump. We can understand why misogynists, people, men that hate women, like Donald Trump. We know why immigrant haters like Donald Trump. You don't fit any of those categories. We understand why greedy billionaires who want to get a lot from tax cuts support Donald Trump and don't care about anyone else. That doesn't fit your profile either. Now, I don't want to be so crass to suggest that uh, just as uh, you you make money helping Republicans get elected, that that's why you support Donald Trump, because I happen to know there are a lot of Republican strategists that don't, including former campaign managers for both Mitt Romney and John McCain. Speaking of which, the last two Republican nominees for president, well, they don't support Donald Trump either. Mitt Romney certainly does not. And John McCain, may he rest in peace before he died, established his distance from Donald Trump. It's not just them. Well-respected conservatives, people I respect but strongly disagree with, like George Will or Jeff Flake, No one would call these men liberal. Uh, They don't support Donald Trump. We see uh, people in the military backing away. We see people who used to work for him backing away. Uh, And whether it's because of the COVID crisis or because, frankly, he's insulting the military, and I know you're a veteran, I value your service. I'm not so sure the president does. Um, But whether it's people in the military, people suffering from COVID, Ordinary conservatives, people who believe in free trade, people who believe in low deficits, all these conservative principles that used to drill in my head for 15 years were basic to the Republican psyche, they've backed away. So here's your chance right here on national radio, Mike Lane. Um, This way, six months from now, when President Biden's in office, you can join George Will and Jeff Flake condemning President Biden for all the liberal things he's doing but you'll know in your heart of hearts you backed away from the corrupt narcissist who's currently president of the United States. You can redeem your soul right here on national radio, but if if you won't, you need to explain to our listeners why you still support this incompetent president. 
Take it away. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to respond to that. Okay. So in the beginning, you gave me a laundry list of people that you could understand why they were supporting the president. And of course, I wouldn't want to be associated with most of those. But you did include greedy billionaires on that list. And I want it reflected that I do aspire to be a greedy billionaire. Okay. I see nothing wrong with greedy billionaires. Um, that aside, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that our president is perfect because he's not. We've never had a perfect president. Uh, we've even had presidents who have had tempers and uh, personalities and things like that that could be considered colorful. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's just not the basis on which the majority of us make our decisions. We are issue driven, issue oriented. And when we look at the matrix of issues lined up between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, not only do we find Joe Biden absolutely unacceptable, but Donald Trump is not acceptable. John, Donald Trump is exciting. You look at the things that he's done. You look at the, uh, the laundry list of accomplishments and the things that are still left to accomplish in the second term. Uh, I'll give you a couple things uh, on the laundry list of accomplishments for the first term. Uh, the first is rebuilding our military. The second is having an economy that was hotter than uh, hot coals. Uh, the third thing was uh, ending the JCPOA. Uh, the fourth thing was pulling out of the Paris Peace Accords. The fifth thing, probably most important on this list, is holding China accountable and renegotiating a trade deal with China and continuing to hold them accountable as we move forward. Uh, there are a, a plethora of other things that you know may or may not come out over the course of the next hour. Um, but these are the issues that excite me and the fact that uh, he has uh, uh, a cell phone uh, that ought to be taken away so that he doesn't have access to his Twitter account anymore. It's just the least of it. It really is. Well, um, interesting adjective you used. Um, imperfect, colorful, and exciting were the three that I wrote down. Um, I'll give you colorful. To me, imperfect's a bit of an understatement. Um, and exciting, yeah, in the sense that uh, an approaching disaster, I guess, can be exciting. But, I mean, Mike, let's just start with something really basic and, and really sad. We, have, we are now approaching 200,000 Americans that have died from the COVID virus so far. Uh, my guess is before the Trump presidency ends, we'll be topping 300,000. Testing, I'm told, just this week went down. We're a quarter of the, um, we're a four percent of the world's population. We have a quarter of the world's COVID cases, a quarter of the world's COVID deaths, um, and now we just find out from Bob Woodward that the president knew this was a deadly, dangerous virus, but took no steps in February. He he mentioned this in early February, not even late February. I think it was February second. To Bob Woodward, took no steps to protect us. Can you at least concede that the president who? did a rally in Tulsa um, just a few months ago after all of us knew of the dangers of this virus, frankly, a rally that killed Herman Cain, an ex-Republican candidate for president, um, that maybe he hasn't handled the COVID crisis as well as he should have. Can we concede that point? 
Mark, uh, sure, nobody would ever handle any crisis uh, as well as they should have. When you have all the information you need, you're still going to make mistakes. Uh, and in this case, um, the president was getting bad advice from the scientists over and over and over again. Nonetheless, with that, he still made some uh, relatively good decisions. Let me say before I get into those good decisions that we do not live in a risk-free world, nor would we want to live in a risk-free world. Uh, you know, people make their own decisions. People should have the freedom to make their own decisions, including those decisions that are risky. Go out and do things, attend rallies, whatever. Uh, and, uh, and and there's absolutely uh, no good reason uh, when you look at, let's say, New York City now, uh, why you can't go out and have dinner in a restaurant. Um, what is Cuomo doing other than trying to create more economic wreckage for the purpose of having bad statistics to have the president uh, disadvantaged and thing? There is no reason why you shouldn't be able to have a restaurant meal in New York City, but yet Cuomo won't let it happen. Now, let's talk about what the president did. Uh, against advice, uh, he decided on a China travel ban back in January. Uh, Joe Biden, I believe, was the very first out of the box calling the president a complete xenophobe uh, and a not racist for, that. for banning Chinese uh, no, from, not from for the that. flights. Um, yeah, he did. Um, and, and he called so, him xenophobic, but not for Biden? not for you banning China, the, the, some Chinese flights, understanding that actually tens of thousands uh, occurred after that ban. But that that isn't the reason. But, but go ahead. Well, I, the ones I that came in were repatriation of Americans and, and people who passed certain tests. But that's that aside. Then, then, then you've got uh, then you've got Cuomo out there all the time saying this isn't the China virus. The president wants to call it the China virus. Well, I hate to tell the, the the governor, but it did originate in China. The way the Hong Kong flu originated the Hong Kong flu, the way Lyme disease originated in Lyme, Connecticut. Okay, these are not pejorative words. We're just identifying where it came from. Cuomo wants to call it the European virus. Well. It's true. A lot of people got the, the virus, the China virus, from Chinese who flew to Europe and then additionally Europeans flew here to America. The day we got a handle on that, the day that Anthony Fauci went to uh, the president and said, Mr. President, it's become clear now. We have the evidence. The problem is becoming Europe. Uh, Trump put a travel ban uh, to Europe in place that day. Uh, again, uh, criticized up and down by your side, you know, saying, well, what's this all about? You know, Europe's our friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, so, well hold know, on, Mike, because I got to take a break soon. Uh, all right, we, we will get sorry, back to this topic. But, you know, it's it just, you know, it's no, 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 we'll get back mind. to it. We have we have a full hour to talk. So I promise we will talk all a right. lot more about the COVID crisis. Uh, got to hear about hydroxychloroquine and why we should all inject bleach. I, I, we'll, go, we'll go into all of those things. I will say this in defense of Governor Cuomo. I looked uh, just today at the most recent states. New York has the lowest rate of increase of coronavirus of any state in the United States quite a difference from where they began. The highest states, all red states, both Dakotas, Alabama, and, they have and the Iowa. Lowest but I, I, I'll get to you, Mike, I promise. We gotta take a break, we'll be back in four minutes. He's a Bible-quoting, Constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275.
Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. My guest is public strategist. I've known Mike a long time. I've known him back in the time when conservatives were folks I understood. Uh, they were people who supported free trade. They were people who wanted low deficits. They were uh, folks who believed in smaller government. I, I got Ronald Reagan. I often disagree with him, but I understood him. I didn't like George W. Bush. Mike knows that. We argued about him a lot. But what I don't understand, and what clearly the Bushes don't understand, because they're not supporting Donald Trump either, is why any self-respecting Republican can continue to support this man. Again, at the Democratic National Convention, all former Democratic presidents, uh, from Obama to Bill Clinton to Jimmy Carter uh, in his 90s, showed up in support of Joe Biden. No former Republican nominee showed up for Donald Trump's convention. It seemed like it was mostly his family, Mike. And uh, when the only people you have supporting you is your family, mm, you might just be leaning authoritarian. Although I guess for Kim Jong-un, even his family should be careful. But um, even the Bushes, uh, even George W. Bush won't come out and support. We know Mitt Romney and and his issues. John McCain's uh, family is supporting Biden. Um, A lot of Republicans have jumped ship. And uh, but you're standing firm. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Now, now before the break, we uh, talked about COVID. And uh, and you went into, as you do, and you're good at, you know, talking about the name of the virus and, and um, Cuomo. But let's just get down to brass tacks here. The United States of America and South Korea got the first case on the exact same day. South Korea is about a, a fifth or a sixth of the American population but whereas we have 200,000 or so deaths, they have 200 or so deaths. It could be six times worse here, based six times worse here based on population. It's a thousand times worse here. It's not just South Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, Asian countries, even Italy, who we used to mock for how badly they dealt with the virus, and Spain, and the UK, and France, and Germany, and Japan. You name it. Not just industrialized nations. We have other nations, Costa Rica. I mean, we are handling this worse than any nation on the planet. Clearly, hundreds of thousands of Americans did not need to die. I recognize a few were going to die. It had to happen. A couple hundred or so died in South Korea. Can we at least admit that this was a colossal error? This is 200,000 Americans. That's uh, doing the math uh, roughly 60, 65 times 9-11 which was big enough for us to go to war. I mean, at the end of the day, down to brass tacks, you can complain about what the virus is called. But this is a colossal, unnecessary loss of American life, wasn't it? Mark, our death rate now, uh, as measured today, is about 2.9%. Uh, and that's dropping. As we test more people who test negatively, it forces the uh, um the confirmation rate, and thus the death rate, um, as a percentage down. Um, France's death rate is 8.0. UK's death rate is 11.6. Canada's death rate is 6.7. Spain's death rate is 5.5. Sweden's death rate point, 6.8. You know it. We have many, many well, more it, cases. It is. But if you have, if you have a hundred right. times the number of cases, even if your death rate is lower, you have 
many greater deaths. The problem is not that once someone has COVID, we don't have healthcare treating them. The problem is so many Americans got COVID because we were the last country to have masks. We were the last country to have social distancing. We have a South Dakota you know governor what, Mark, who I... had a convention in Sturgis, a motorcycle convention, just what, a month ago? That's the latest spreader and why South Dakota tops the states. The problem isn't the level of people dying who have COVID. The problem is people getting COVID in the first place, right? All right. Well, I wish we had had a mask order uh, earlier. Um, but as you know, up through the middle of April, both the CDC and the Surgeon General were actively telling Americans, don't get masks. Please do not get masks. They're not going to do you any good. That? That, Why did they say that? Um, they said that because well, there's a shortage uh, of personal protective equipment in the United States because we had no stockpiles. Uh, because the president hadn't followed the pandemic advice left over from the past Obama administration. And they basically said, we don't have enough masks, so we ought to save everyone, everything for healthcare professionals. That's why they said it, not because they didn't think it didn't help spread the disease. That's basically dealing with a terrible well, problem and arguably making it worse. So uh, I agree with you. They were giving us bad information, but that wasn't Trump. That was the CDC and that was the Surgeon General. They In fact, the very last Trump. time I think I saw a tweet on that was uh, April 6th when the Surgeon General said, don't buy masks. They won't do you any good. And here's to help you save them for people who need them. Well, OK, so that's one reason why it spread really, really far and wide. But it's uh, also because come back, we were giving Mike. people our scientists were giving people the wrong information. But it's not just the early days. We dipped down till about June, and then a bunch of states, notably tended to be the redder states, tended to be the Republican states, the mm -hmm. states where it's high now, Alabama, mm -hmm. the Dakotas, states that said, oh, it's really low now, we're safe. They opened up too quickly, and we have a resurgence, like nowhere on the planet has the resurgence. Right, Mark, we have a resurgence. We have a resurgence of positive test cases. We don't have a resurgence of deaths. That's the point. We don't really care. We do have a resurgence uh, if of deaths. People get it, and and well, uh, very mild. We're one quarter our, of the our, world's deaths. Our death percentage. Look, our death percentage spiked up really high when Cuomo ordered all the senior citizens into nursing homes and senior citizen centers who had tested positive. Once we got past that gruesome mistake on the part of Cuomo, then it started coming down and it's coming down now. Even in the states where we're having spikes, the death rate is not spiking at anywhere near the number of people that Cuomo uh, was, was responsible for. Again, as of today, September 10th, New York has the lowest rate in the country, the highest rates. I just looked this up today. Both Dakotas, right. so Alabama, where's the balance, Mark? Iowa. Mark, Mark where, where's the balance? When do I get to eat a meal in New York City in a restaurant? Seriously, where's the balance? I'm, I'm willing when to, if I live in New York, I'm willing dying. to be in the middle. If I'm, if I'm in New York, I'm willing to be in the middle. Put me in the 25th state, not the first state. I'm willing to be in the middle and let me go out and get a restaurant meal. And I can't do it because there's no freedom. There's no economic activity. The, the, the total complete devastation and destruction to families, budgets, the ability to pay bills, things like that, even access to health care is gone because Cuomo won't let people work. I, that's amazing to me. I, I'll tell you what, Mike, in the next segment, we need to have a nice philosophical discussion on what freedom is about, because I learned long ago philosophically that my freedom to throw my hands around ends where your face begins. Uh, it, it's one thing Correct. to be free to infect yourself, 
but you clearly are not free to infect others, whether intentionally or even negligently. We don't let you drink and drive, right. even though it, you know, it might kill you, but because it can kill others. It, now, you may say, I'm fine, I, I can drink, I'm free, I'm a good driver. We have laws to prevent misbehavior. The mass mandates protect public health. But let's have that philosophical discussion when we get back after this. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. My guest is Mike Lane, Republican strategist. I've known him, Mike, a long time. I've known him back when conservatives used to be conservative, uh, before Trump took over the Republican Party. But Mike's still a true believer, and I'm trying to figure out why. Uh, and so we've been talking a lot about COVID. I will move on to other topics. But one last question on COVID that I promised before the break, and that is the very nature, really, of freedom. Um, to me, freedom means the freedom to do whatever I want so long as I don't harm anybody else. But the so long as I harm anybody else is a critical part of freedom because if I can harm somebody else, that impinges on their freedom. What we've seen is a president who's discouraged Americans from wearing masks, even though they save other people's lives, who did what I hope you agree, Mike, was a complete fiasco, a, a, an indoor convention in Tulsa, that led to a super spreader event that actually led to the death of Herman Cain, uh, has recently attended an event in North Carolina where most people weren't, weren't wearing masks. Uh, we have the, I think it was the Republican leader in, was it California? And she did a, a gathering without masks. Um, look, if you don't wanna wear a mask and you're in your own home, you don't have, I'm not wearing one now, I'm in my own home, I can't infect anybody. But out in public, can we at least agree that public health measures, quarantining measures, yeah, they're, they're stringent, but this is a time when you need a stringent big government because lives can be lost. Um, Mark, you said um, in, in the last segment, um, one of your comments was, okay, you understood people were going to die. We're gonna lose a couple here, a couple there. I, I don't think those are your exact words, but you were talking relatively small numbers of people. So understanding the fact that there is a trade-off uh, between economic activity, economic activity and quarantine numbers and ultimately uh, the people who, who die, um, what's your magic number? How many people are you willing to uh, let die, not individually, but statistically knowing they will die if we open up the recovery, let people go back to work, let children go back to school and start to learn, uh, let people begin to pay their mortgages again, uh, let people begin to pay their healthcare policies again. How many deaths are you willing to accept to make that happen? Well, I don't want to accept any. Would you accept 10,000 um, if I we could just wave a wand and say 10,000? I, I, I look at a country like North, like South Korea, which um, has had 200 some odd deaths. It's over 200, less than 300. Um, and normally I actually think that's a lot of people, but given how dangerous this virus is, given that the president himself called this a, a, a deadly disease, we're gonna play some clips from him in, 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 uh, with Woodward in just a few minutes. Um, I actually think South Korea has done a pretty good job in keeping their deaths down to one thousandth of ours. Uh, but to me, an unnecessary death is an unnecessary death. And because people don't want to wear a mask because they don't feel free, um, 
to me, that, that does, you know, there's lots of things that people want to do. I mentioned drunk driving. Uh, my guess is that people who drive while drunk commit deaths at a lesser rate than people who go out in crowded places and don't wear masks. Uh, that does not mean I'm defending drunk driving. Of course not. The point is there are risky behaviors that you shouldn't do. And um, the people who bear the brunt of it, Mike, I know you know this, are the people who, unlike you and me, can't afford to stay home, sit behind a desk and telework. But the folks who have to drive the bus, have to get out there in the, the, the meat processing plant, have to and, and can't afford any other job. And they're the ones, and they tend to be black and brown people, they tend to be people who are on the economic margins, they're the ones who are suffering the worst from this. So the idea that those of us with white collars can sit here in our homes while the, the grocery store workers have no choice but to take their risks, I think in order to protect them, we need mask mandates. I mean, I, I assume you support a mask mandate in, say, a grocery store. Well, I wear a mask regardless. I mean, I don't care who tells me to. Um, it's just not... Uh, you know, uh, you do, leave you do, alone, and, I'm, governor, and, and okay? I respect you for it. But shouldn't the government require people to wear masks in crowded public places? In well, I, I note that it was about two weeks ago when Joe Biden said, "Okay, you know, we're going to have a big policy statement here on this," and he came out. And the first thing he was going to do was was call for a national mask mandate until his people explained to him that he couldn't do that because this was federalism. So his fallback position was he came out and he held a big press conference. It was all over. Even Fox News covered it. And they said, OK, I want every governor to issue a mandatory mask order for the duration of the pandemic. And guess how many Democratic governors issued that uh, that mask order? Zero. And well, guess our how governor many Virginia has had governors issued that order for several months Zero. now. Our, our so, Democratic governor so, Virginia I mean, has had it for is, several months the, now. The, 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 uh, no, I, you don't have to wear it every place. Uh, in no, public. in That's the indoors. Biden was talking indoors. about. No, no, no. At, Biden wants it outdoors. Biden's Biden's order was you wear it on. You know, I mean, he didn't even exist. Uh, I, I had heard outdoors, but room, I can tell you but this. I assume he meant that. As someone who's attended a number of Black Lives Matter protests outdoors. Um, if you're crowded outdoors, you should wear a mask. Now, I agree if you're outdoors and no one's around you, um, you're, you're, you know, you're 10 feet away from everyone, then, you know, I've walked outdoors without a mask. But in crowded environments, you should wear a mask. L let, me, let me play for you, Mike, what I know you've heard. But that's not Maybe what Biden wanted. Biden wanted it worn all the time regardless. I, I don't believe so, but I will double check that. Um, let me okay. play for you uh, some of um, Donald Trump's you know, I think he denied it at first, but it's really hard to deny it when we have his own words. Things he said to Bob Woodward, I believe the first one is February 2nd. So this is early, early, February 7th, excuse me, early, early in the days of the crisis. Let's play the clip. And so what was uh, President Xi saying yesterday? Well, we were talking mostly about the, uh, the virus and... I think he's going to have it in good shape, but you know it's a very tricky situation. It's uh, yeah, it goes it, it goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year here. Who, who would ever think that, right? I know. It's I mean, much it's pretty forgotten. amazing. 
And then uh, I say, well, is that the same thing? For, this is uh, more right. deadly. This is five per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. So this is five times more deadly than the flu. This is deadly stuff. This is February 7th. This is some six weeks before the president took any action to shut the country down. This is at the time when South Korea was ramping up massive tests, shutting their country down. And there's a reason why they have a thousandth of the deaths that we have. This is even before Italy spiked. This is early. Sounds to me like Donald Trump was getting good, accurate information, took it all in, and just didn't listen. And we know he didn't listen because, well, let's play the March 19th clip with him and Woodward. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob. Just today and, and yesterday, some startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. young people to plenty of young people. So give me a moment of talking to somebody, going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of... Uh, it caused a pivot in your mind because it's clear just from what's in on the public record that you went through a pivot on this to oh my god the gravity is uh, almost inexplicable and unexplainable well I think Bob really to be honest with you sure I want you to I be. wanted to uh, I wanted to always play it down I still like playing it down yes sir. because I don't want to create a panic So here you have the president saying that he wants to play it down. He's always played it down because he doesn't want to panic. Now, nobody wants a panic. But at the same time, it wasn't just that he played it down. He didn't take action. He didn't take the action we've seen from our allies in industrialized countries that did ramp up testing, that did have PPE. It's not just South Korea. I think they're kind of the model. Uh, but, uh, I mean... Even Germany, even even uh, Japan, which actually didn't handle it so well at the beginning, neither did Italy. They're handling it better than we are now. The president says, you said, Mike, well, he didn't realize it was as bad as it was because, you know, his advisors were giving him the wrong advice. We now know on February 7th, maybe before you and I realized how bad it was, back before the stock market took its first crater, um, that that it was a serious, deadly disease. Is it fair to say the president should have known better and should have taken stronger action sooner? Mark, this was not a revelation. The world knew it was a serious, deadly disease back in January when we saw people in other countries dying. So it's not, you know, this is not some big revelation. This was discussed way back then. Um, now, when you say deadly, what does what does that mean? Well, if one person dies from it, it's deadly. Uh, the president there is quoting some egregiously wrong statistics. Uh, the first thing uh, he said in the second clip that you played was that we're looking at mortality rates of roughly 5%. Well, we know if properly managed what we know today based on not what it was last time, we know that it was um, it, it was uh, a uh, uh, closer to 3% and, and falling. Okay. The I second thing you, was uh, he said, now we break. find out. We'll be back in, in four minutes. I apologize. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. we got about 10 minutes left in the show. My guest is Mike Lane, president of Intellifice Strategies. Mike, I had to interrupt you because we were on a hard break. 
Is there anything more you wanted to add before I move on to the next topic? Yeah, I wanted to add, Mark, the second thing that the president got egregiously wrong in that last thing, uh, the, the last uh, clip that you played with Woodward. And that is, he said, we're seeing now just the news yesterday. Uh, we see that this is going to be a tremendous problem among young people. Um, well, in fact, that was based on one day of very anecdotal information. There was, a, you know, it, it was not a trend. It turns out now that statistically young people are the very least vulnerable among the population. We know how to protect the old people. You don't do what Cuomo did and you just keep protecting the old people and we can bring the death rate down and it becomes less relevant what the contagious rate is. Well, I would argue that uh, young people may be less likely to die, though they still can, but they definitely can spread it. And so it's it's good that they don't get it either. But a um, couple questions on COVID, and then I do want to talk about a bunch of other things. Uh, the president has pushed some miracle cures. At one point, he suggested hydroxychloroquine. He actually pushed it pretty hard. He even suggested injecting bleach. You could see Dr. Burke's head explode when he suggests that one. Um, and then there was, I forget, the doctor that promoted the demon sperm that he was promoting. Really wacko stuff. Um, what's the deal with the president and miracle cures? Uh, he's now saying we're going to have a vaccine by October, uh, no matter what the scientists say. Uh, maybe the president should leave this kind of medical advice to his medical experts. Well, the first thing, Mark, quickly. Um, so the chloroquine, you know, the hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> that's the one. Um, so it turns out that after all, after Nancy and uh, and Chuck had their heads explode over that one, it turns out that that stuff actually works in combination with some other stuff, and it works a little bit on its own. There's a really beautiful paper, scientific paper out of France on that. It does work. Um, as far as this demon doctor or whatever it is, I don't know anything about that. But he, if he's promoting a demon, that would be wrong. See, here's the, the problem is the president, the, the, the president hears things like, oh, Mr. President, viruses do not uh, survive in the summer. So if we can get through this peak here by suppressing the curve, when we get to the summer, we'll have a breather. And he's optimistic. He's, he's you know, he's always the cheerleader guy. And he goes out there to the podium and he says, so I've been told that in the summer, this thing will all be gone. Well, you know, you know what he was trying to say? He's very artful about the way he says it. All right. We only got a few minutes left. I do want to move on quickly to other topics. Um, as a military veteran, were you offended by the president saying that basically those that died in our wars were losers? Uh, his unwillingness to go to the ceremony in Paris. It, interestingly, we've always heard this has been confirmed, by the way, by Fox News, uh, no liberal network, as well as New York Times, Washington Post, The Atlantic and so forth. And even his generals, even General Kelly uh, no one will deny that he said this. Some folks don't want to comment on it. Clearly, that's offensive and wrong. I mean, I think you can agree on that. Um, look, if he said it, um, it was not only offensive and wrong, it's disgusting. Um, and it would it would really be a, a, a deal breaker for me. Um, but I don't believe for one minute that he said it. Um, I think that this is another one of those made up stories. There are people who have denied it. No less a person than John Bolton took immediately to the airwaves and said, wait a second, I was in the room when this conversation took place. It did not happen. Sarah Sanders said, I was in the room when this conversation took place. The, the personal aide to, to General Kelly, who was then chief of staff, took to the air and said, I was in the room when this happened. It did not Mike, happen. Mike, didn't he basically say this about John McCain? He said, I don't want yeah, uh, but that was a, people that who was, were captured. 
Yeah, that was a rather I mean, it's disgusting the same, and putrid, the same idea. It was a disgusting and putrid political person, personal political attack on John McCain. McCain didn't deserve that, but it was in context of a political battle and not right. just in the context of, of you know, casting everybody things. like that. Well, we only have about five minutes left, so I'm going to try to do so I'll try to do short questions and you can sort of give me short answers. Please reflect mm -hmm. on the post office and Donald Trump's suggestion that maybe uh, if we slow down uh, postal service, we can actually uh, keep uh, the election by mail from happening. Clearly, that's not appropriate. Well, I, you know, I don't know when, you know, I, I understand the Democrats in the Senate this morning voted down the uh, uh, the next version of the rescue bill. So we're not even going to get the unemployment out there for uh, uh, the people who need it um, before Election Day because Chuck and his and his uh, um, folks uh, decided to kill that this morning. As far as the post office is concerned, um, you know, this, the, the postmaster general has come to Capitol Hill on both sides and testified he has all the resources and all the money that he needs to get through Election Day and to deliver every piece of mail that's properly done. I don't know what else we can we can do. You know, you Chuck says we need twenty five billion dollars. But for what? Are you, are you fine with the fact that a guy who competes with the U.S. Postal Service is our postmaster general and the fact that he basically is under uh, criminal investigation for uh, basically bundling campaign donations through his employer employees? Yeah, well, you know what? If there's anything there, the Congress can investigate and we'll find out what happened. But yeah, this guy is exactly the right person at the right time organizationally to reform the post office. I think he's a fabulous postmaster general. The conflict of interest doesn't bother you. That he owns these oh, companies. Oh no, not at all. Compete. No, okay. I mean, look at look, look at look at Esper. Esper, ha you know, conflict of interest. They tried to say the only reason that we're going to sell airplanes to the UAE is because Esper is Secretary of Defense. That's crap. Come on, you know. Okay. Next, I think these conflicts of interest matter no matter where they occur. Next question: Guy at the Department of Homeland Security testifying that Donald Trump told that the president told him not to report information about Russian interference in our elections, told him to squelch it. He's filed a whistleblower complaint. Clearly that's wrong, right? If, if that's the case, then Congress ought to investigate it and let's find out what really happened. What about just in general, the fact that Congress does investigate and the president seems to be quite happy taking Russian aid? Uh, should any American candidate take foreign aid to, to run for office? Mark, we did this Russian thing for three years. He was certified innocent by a special prosecutor. Come he on, was you not can't certified bring up Russia innocent. anymore. It, you can't bring up Ukraine anymore. It's done. He was not certified innocent uh, by by any stretch. Uh, but uh, you know these 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 things keep coming up. We we why is it do you think that the president was so anxious to get Roger Stone and Paul Manafort and all? Seems like virtually everyone who's ever worked in the Trump campaign is under indictment or going to jail. Why, why is it so important for him to get them out of jail? What do you think he's hiding? I don't think he's hiding anything. Uh, you know, look, this was fully investigated. Stone was convicted of other crimes unrelated to the campaign. That's typically the way a, an unreasonable prosecutor will do things. I'm not denying what the reality is. And the guy is old. The guy is dying. It was, you know, it was Mike Flynn, said, it was how about what's his excuse? 
uh, Flynn, what's, you know, the people who prosecuted Flynn are the ones who ought to be sitting in jail, not General Flynn. General Flynn is a world, is a hero to the United States. Even though he lied to the FBI, admitted it, conceded it, and the vice president said he did it. You're still fine with that. No, he did not lie to the FBI. He conceded he lied because they threatened to put his son in jail if he didn't admit that he lied. All right. Last question, and <laughs> try to do it in a minute. Uh, we've seen horrible violence uh, in places like Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, we've seen actually a 17-year-old boy travel from Illinois with his long gun, uh, shoot a bunch of people. I don't know what property he was protecting, but it certainly wasn't his own. Can we all agree that both sides, Biden and Trump, should be calling on people to calm down. Uh, Biden has made it very clear that he opposes all violence from the right and left. Isn't it time that Donald Trump does the same? Um, I, Trump's the one who's been calling for an end to the violence from the beginning. I admit that in the last three or four days, Biden's been doing that. Mark, he had a four-day convention with the national spotlight. Why did he fail to mention calming the riots so much as once during his entire convention? Well, because Kenosha happened after the DNC and before the RNC. All right. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what, Mike. We've got about about 30 seconds. I'll give you the last word. Um, Full whatever you want. Tell me why you think Republicans should still support Donald Trump, but in 30 seconds. Issues, Mark, issues. Look, uh, we need to rebuild the economy. That's another thing, by the way. Biden comes in and says Trump didn't shut the economy down fast enough, hard enough, or long enough. And, oh, God, look at how horrible the economy Trump created is. You know, people laugh when they hear that. Um, so the economy, we've got to rebuild the economy. Uh, I think foreign policy, the, the deal coming up next week with the signing of the peace treaty between Israel and the UAE at the White House, fabulous. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, getting us through the pandemic, we're going to have a, uh, a vaccine uh, by November 1. Uh, go, huh. Trump, go. I think you, it's you know what? Uh, given that the election is November 2, the fact that uh, you're claiming to have a vaccine by November 1, uh, frankly, is suspected. And I understand you get it. You get it from the president. So it is. On the economy, I would just say this. If the Republicans had months ago taken up the Democratic bill uh, that came out of the House, we would have a strong economic response to people who are suffering from the pandemic. But I'm afraid our debate has to end right here because we're reaching the top of the hour. Thank you, Mike Lane, for coming on the show. Thank you for sparring with me. We will have many more such debates in the future right here on the Inside Scoop. Goodbye, everybody. Tune in next week.